Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update Podcast, actionable information for industry leaders. I'm Sean Fitzgerald, CMO of Thomas, filling in for Tony Upoff. We've been hearing a lot about company culture lately. While it's definitely become a buzzword, there's a reason it's become so popular. Companies with engaged employees outperform their competition by 20%, show 21% higher profitability, and have 59% less turnover. Today, I'm talking to an industry leader who's a pioneer of company culture in manufacturing, building a uniquely engaged workforce in an industry not typically known to prioritize employee connection. My guest today is Karen Norheim, the president and COO of American Crane and Equipment Corporation. Karen is the chair of the National Board of Women in Manufacturing and was recognized with a Thomas Champion for Industry Award in February 2019. In today's podcast, we'll discuss how she optimized American Crane's productivity, improved morale, and engaged a multi-generational workforce by developing a strong company culture. And the best part, she'll outline exactly how you can replicate her successful approach at your own industrial business. Welcome, Karen. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on with us here today and talk about some culture things and all the hard work that you're putting in there at American Crane. To get us started here, what's a typical day in the life like for you at American Crane? You know, when I when I talk about what I do at American Crane daily, I like to start with what it is that we actually make. You know, as you mentioned, we're a manufacturer of overhead cranes and hoists. And it's a, it's a really cool industry to be involved with because what's neat is there's so many different applications and end users. Cranes are essentially a tool. So our equipment is used from everything to move spacecraft, to spent fuel at nuclear power plants, to build truck bodies and move fish, right? So how fun is that? And I really believe that we build beautiful machinery. But the way that we build beautiful machinery is because of all of our amazing people at American Crane. The most important part of our business is our people. They're the ones who allow us to create these awesome machines. And I'm very proud of them and the products uh, that we build and the customers that we serve. So that's wrapping back into what is my day like or what do I do? Basically, my job is to ensure that the environment at our company allows our people to thrive. My father started the business and has turned the reins over to me. So my job as second generation is to be the steward taking the company into the future. No pressure taking on the business, right? No no pressure, no pressure. Yeah, <laughs> my dad is in his 70s and uh, he has stepped back and, and over the last couple of years giving me more and more of a leadership role. And it's been, it's been really amazing. He's actually from Norway. He came to the U.S. when he was in his 20s. He really taught me that I both need to set the vision so that we can kind of thrive on this battlefield, which is our business. And that I also need to be this gardener, which is growing and cultivating people. My job is to develop and nurture these teams so that we have ultimate success. So, you know, a day in the life for me can be anything from talking about different sales and marketing activities to going on the shop floor to meeting with my coworkers to working on business process. But it all comes down to creating focus and empowering people to get the job done. That's awesome. So you touched on, you know, the culture that you're really developing there at American Crane and how important that is to you, especially, you know, things that were handed down from your father and things that are really instilled in you as well here going forward. When you were named the Thomas Champion for Industry uh, Award winner back in February, you talked to us about the Grit Matters campaign that you have at American Crane and how that's a mantra for you and your team. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and uh, what it encompasses? Sure, absolutely. Grit Matters is 
our mantra, and it's perseverance, heart, and integrity. So what it does is it's setting our vision, mission, and values, right? So this is our North Star, what we look to as our kind of guiding light. We have our mission to be the overhead lifting company most respected for its creative people, quality products, and exceptional service. And we are passionate about delighting our customers. The most important thing in American Crane is our people. And we are gritty at American Crane, which means we put perseverance, heart, and integrity into everything that we do. So that's kind of the some of the wording that went into to that. But really, the reason that we have grit is I realized a couple years ago that I had to solidify the founder's legacy, this culture that my dad created. And I needed to convey to our people the commitment of myself and my family to the business. So much like old Viking law, our old culture was passed down by generation to generation by word of mouth, um, not really written down. And it, and it worked, but we really needed to do a reboot on this. And grit is the word that we found that really kind of sums up who we are, who my dad is, who I am, who our people are. And so we used this as a recalibration to kind of create a clear understanding of who we are and where we're going. And we took all the great aspects of the culture my father created and really amplified it. What did you do to launch that game plan inside the company? How did you really ingrain that into the day-to-day -day and into you know, the way that people do business there? It was a process. You know, First, it was really about clearly defining what it is to be American Crane. What were those core values? What is that vision statement? Kind of uh, figuring out you know, who we are and really putting it down on paper. Now, I believe in being gritty. I didn't hire a consultant and spend hours and hours talking in a room and brainstorming. I went to my core leadership. We kind of massaged it and came up with something that was the start of grit and then continued to morph it into what it is today. And we launched, we, we really created a marketing campaign and that, that's how we got this message out into our people through video, through meetings, through emails that I send. We did a t-shirt launch, you know, all these different kinds of things to get the message out there, basically marketing and communicating to everyone to say, clearly, this is who we are. If you don't set your own culture, others in your business will be setting it for you. And I think that, that that is really a part of the nuts and bolts of how we did that. Completely agree. This is in any team that I've ever run here, too. I've always had one mantra outside of the core values of the company itself here, too. Ours has always been be helpful. For me, inside of it and baked into that has always been that you're accountable, you're trying your best, you're moving everything forward, and you're also trying to do super high-quality work at the same time. So love everything that you're putting together in that Grit Matters team and how you talked about turning it inside out and driving it through the company and then out into all of your customers and your potential prospects there, too. I have to imagine. As you know, the millennials have become the largest generation in the workforce, I believe as of 2016, that this you know, Grit Matters campaign is really resonating with the younger folks that you have coming into the business and how that's beginning to adjust. What does that change look like going on inside of American Crane right now? We do have a multi-generational workforce, right? We've got the millennials coming in. The way that we tap into them and kind of integrate this generation, we, we have people who have been with us for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. So we've got a whole breadth of different generations in our workforce. So I think it still all comes down to culture, whether you're a millennial or a silent. You know what I mean? You want to feel respected and you want to have purpose no matter how old you are. And I think the way that we've done this, my three tips on doing that is to empower our people, number one. Studies show that control makes us happy. So if your people feel disempowered and micromanaged, then they're not feeling any control and they're less likely to be happy. Leaders who complain about being distracted by interruptions might have to take a look and say, hey, have I really empowered my people? So you need to create an environment that allows power, power to the people. 
And then two, you got to be authentic and you have to allow your people to be authentic. I used to say that I was only bringing 95% of myself to work, right? Well, years ago, I figured out why was I doing that? Bring my whole self to work. Number one, it's heck of a lot more fun to be myself and to, <laughs> I'm actually way more effective and I can embrace who I am and stay authentic. It just, it works. And you don't have to be something that you're not. And you got to create an environment where your employees don't have to be something that they're not. And then the third key is really creating purpose and meaning, right? This is the heart. This is the fire. This is what we did with Grit Matters is, you know, we define what is our purpose and meaning and then constantly communicating that. For us, we asked for our people's heart. There's a great quote out there from a retired welder that says, for 30 years, they had the work of my hands. They could have had the work of my head and my heart for no extra cost. They never asked. Well, I asked. And I think we all need to ask for the work of our people's heads and hearts, not just their hands. And this is all about culture. People want to feel respected. They want to have purpose, no matter what the age. Empower, allow authenticity, and bring the fire. Create the meaning. I think that's a great three-pack there for all of our listeners to take home and take a look at inside of their own companies. Are they really empowering their own teams to be able to do as much as they can? Again, everyone has great ideas. It's about letting those out into the company. Being authentic, I think perhaps I'm with you, perhaps a little bit too authentic sometimes on certain days. Um, and also creating that purpose, understanding what are we driving towards together as a group and as a team. Fantastic recommendations there for anyone out there leading a business right now. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, not only the changes as far as the makeup of the multi-generational workforce, but also the gender diversity that's starting in the industrial space now, too. I remember when I was in engineering school, I think there were only three or four women in any of my mechanical engineering classes. That has changed drastically in the world. And I know with, you know, you being on the board of women in manufacturing, I think you might be able to shine a light on some of the things that are changing in the industrial space for us. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I'm really proud to be a part of Women in Manufacturing. I'm the chair of the national board, and it's the only trade association dedicated to the year-round support of women in manufacturing. So we do this by supporting, promoting, and inspiring women on the road to success in their manufacturing career. So, you know, what am I seeing from that perspective today with Women in Manufacturing? I think we have made great strides. There are more women in all levels of manufacturing, from management to the shop floor, that from when I started. And manufacturers, I think, are more open and they are changing their environments to make them a place where women can thrive um, as well as others. However, we're not where we want to be. Uh, the population percentage for women is 51% and there's approximately 30% of manufacturing employees are women. So we've got 51, 30. There's kind of, there's a gap there. The good news is that I think industry has started to recognize the benefits that women can bring. Number one, they're this huge untapped resource for our workforce gaps, right? In addition, there's increasing evidence, you know, that women can help team dynamics, empathy, appreciation, et cetera. But I think that the, the second most important thing is that women can bring a different perspective and add to what I like to call cognitive diversity, which is essentially this concept that we all come with a set of, you know, our age, gender, background, experience, education, and all of these things help us create our cognitive diversity, which we can then leverage to solve problems better because we have different perspectives on the problems, right? The more perspectives you have on a problem, the better your solution can be. If we can leverage that, it can be an asset. So untapped resource, ability to bring cognitive diversity, great that the industry has recognized this. That being said, we're still blazing the trail, right? We, we need to make the path by walking it. 
I was at a women in manufacturing event in Kentucky, and there was a presentation given on women and manufacturing-related jobs. The key takeaway from me from that presentation was that most women are just unaware of the opportunities that manufacturing provides. If we want to attract them, we're going to have to tell our stories. We're going to have to, to share the opportunities and make sure they're, they're clearly understood. And for those women that are already in manufacturing, we need to be role models. We need to talk about why we love this industry. And the men need to do it too. My role model was my father. You know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have entered manufacturing. So I think it's all about right now where we're headed with women in the industry is we need to create a ripple effect. We, we all need to be role models, inspiring and creating vision for what is possible. Mother Teresa has a great quote, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. The future of manufacturing is based on if we can create a ripple effect, which spreads the word about what a great industry it is to be in. So anybody on the call who's in the industry, you know, someone is always looking up to you. We need to, whether you're male, female, doesn't matter. We need to promote our pride and passion for being a part of manufacturing. And this is going to inspire the next generation to enter our industry. Karen, you make great points there. If there are uh, young ladies listening here that are, you know, going through college or trying to pick something to do or considering a career change, what are some of the things that you would tell them to consider about manufacturing and why they should look to our industry to grow their career and their livelihood? Well, you know, it's really exciting to be in an industry where you take something from a concept and bring it into physical existence. There's something incredibly satisfying about that. In addition, there's opportunities from the shop floor to engineering to uh, management to accounting to marketing. I mean, there's all across the board, there are all kinds of opportunities and really interesting work. And there's so much amazing manufacturing happening right here in the U.S. I know here in Eastern PA, we make everything from chocolate to truck bodies to high-end stoves to cranes and hoists that we make. So I just want everyone to see the opportunity. You know, I really believe in people finding their passion. And I just want it to be on the table as a potential to be one of their passions or to be their passion, their industry that they want to work in. Does that make sense? No, I agree. And I think your point about creating a physical product is something that's, you know, people have lost that over the last 20 years. I think when everybody started to gravitate towards knowledge work, we had the, the internet begin there in the late 90s and everybody started to look in that direction as far as digital and things that way. I think that was a compounding factor after the 80s that we had there too, but we're starting to see that resurgence. I will credit the Mythbuster folks there um, and <laughs> Carrie Byron as well for making everything super Great. cool oh. for everybody again. So I, th I think that was the tip of the spear for me, seeing manufacturing coming around and being cool again. Well, and also, you know, you have to remember, like, just because it's manufacturing doesn't mean that it's not digital or technology based. But we're all running on these amazing systems and there's all kinds of exciting technology happening and what they're calling Industry 4.0 with additive manufacturing, 3D printing, automation, robotics. I mean, there is all kinds of exciting technical advances, software implementations and systems that allow us to see our business in ways we haven't been able to see it before. So just because it's manufacturing doesn't mean that it's not technology or that it's not digital. I, I agree, especially with IoT and everything that's going on there in Industry 4.0 yep. as well. Yep. Even the gamers out there, virtual reality, augmented reality, it is all a part of what we're doing in manufacturing. Well, hey, Karen, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, we really appreciate you being on the Thomas Industry Update and look forward to catching up with you again on the road. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
today's Thomas Industry Update podcast was hosted by Sean Fitzgerald and produced by Michaela Tierney. If you'd like to share your feedback about this or any other episode, email us at podcast at thomasnet.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on iTunes or recommend us to a colleague. Your feedback helps us continue to advocate for industry across the airwaves. The Thomas Industry Update podcast is recorded at Five Penn Plaza in the heart of New York City, where Thomas has been headquartered for 121 years. Want to get more insights on supply chain, IoT, industrial business, and more? Sign up for our Thomas Industry Update daily newsletter. With more than 300,000 subscribers, your inbox will be in good company. Subscribe now for free at thomasnet.com updates.